here again. My podcast title is Go Out to the World and Preach the Message of Christ, Even If You Do Not See Results. I'm doing this podcast to expose the foolish thinking of those sincere but biblically ignorant believers who believe that if a child of God chooses to do something biblical, whatever they decide to do has to be done by a movement or a leading of the Holy Spirit. Another way of putting this is, if I, Brother Bob, simply decide on my own to go out and hand out Bible tracts to lost people at, let's say, a local college, these spiritual naysayers would say that because it was my decision to go out, I would be doing a work of the flesh and not of the Lord. And sadly, this kind of irrational, unspiritual, pious, thinking, silly rhetoric is prevalent in the churches these days, especially with those feely, always seeking a sign gift churches. Unfortunately, way too many church ministries these days are result-based instead of being faith-based. Come on, man. Christ has already given his church a marching orders about going out. 1 Corinthians 9, 16 through 17, Paul says, If I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about, for I'm under compulsion. But woe is to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I do this voluntarily, I will receive a reward. But even against my will, I'm obligated because I have this stewardship entrusted to me to go out and preach the gospel. Brethren, it is every believer's responsibility to be out there sharing the message of Christ, whether we feel like it or not. I'll go into more detail about this in another podcast. Now, brethren, not that it's a necessity, but it is kind of nice perk to have if you're being faithful. The Bible says that every single eternal reward or eternal honor or blessing that a believer receives in the next life is based 100% on what they did for their Savior according to the Scriptures in this life. Brethren, there is no heavenly reward for being obedient to an unbiblical doctrine that you made up in your heart. Feelings do not determine God's truths. So, you choose not to drink alcohol. That's fine. Your choice. Just do not expect to be blessed or honored in eternity by the Lord for being faithful to something that the Lord never commanded you to do. So, you choose not to watch TV or watch movies. That's fine. Your choice. Just do not be expected to be blessed or honored in eternity by the Lord for being faithful to something the Lord never commanded you to do. Now, here's a side note. Let me interject. Brethren, it is never, ever a good thing or a wise thing to make decisions using our feelings. Our feelings will always deceive us. Our feelings are fickle and they're roller coastery. Any married couple know exactly what I'm speaking of. Even married couples who love each other will say very hurtful things when they are in a heated emotional argument. God's children are never, ever going to see and accept the truths of God's word if they are deciding what they think the truths of God's word are based on their emotions. Never will they see the truth. Do you know what caused Eve to sin? Her emotions. Eve listened to her emotions instead of using her brain When deciding to eat the fruit from the tree, the Lord forbid. Satan simply whispered a few emotional-based ideas at the Eve's head, and she fell for it. And why did Adam sin? Adam sinned because he listened to the emotion babblings of his wife instead of obeying the Lord. And he gave into his wife's emotional thinking. And why did all those people choose to die in the flood instead of going on the ark? Once again, it was simply because they refused to believe Noah's preaching because it did not seem or feel right. You can just hear him. Come on, Noah. It has never rained before. 
And why did Esau lose his birthright inheritance? Because he let his hunger feelings override his brain. I could go on and on and on with biblical examples of God's people making the wrong decisions based on their feelings. Abraham sinned against the Lord because he allowed his feelings to override God's promise to him about a child. King David brought the wrath of God down on his fellow countrymen because he chose to do what felt right, like numbering the troops, counting the horses, counting the soldiers instead of obeying the Lord. And why did all those Jews refuse to listen to the prophets that the Lord sent them? Because their feelings were hurt by what the prophets were saying to them. Even the Jewish people of Christ, they simply refused to accept Christ as the Messiah. Even though he had perfectly fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies, because they let their feelings override their spiritual logic, the Jewish religious leaders simply refused to accept that their Messiah could be the short, normal-looking guy who was the son of a carpenter. Their emotions led them to believe that their Messiah needed to be a six-foot-six-inch-tall Roman butt-kicker, and instead they got a rebuker, so they hated him. Again, with the feeling thing. Brethren, quit letting your emotions override your brain. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of logical truth and never uses emotions to deliver truth to us. Yes, emotions can take us to the cross. Emotions can move us to that point. But it's still truth that changes our thinking. The Apostle Peter was constantly sticking his foot in his mouth because he was making decisions based on what seemed or felt right to him. I want to get back to my evangelism topic. Is there really ever a bad time to go out and share the love story of Christ with the dying world? So seriously, seriously, come on, think about this. You, you need to have the Holy Spirit whisper in your ear, that guy's headed to hell. You need to share with him. Oh, not with that one. Share with that one. Don't share with this one. Oh, you need to go out on Tuesday. You shouldn't go out on Friday. Come on, people. That's not how the Spirit works. Christ already gave us the orders to go out. Be faithful. So I use the example of choosing to go out and share the gospel. In similar fashion, would it be fleshly to choose to study your Bible in order to put together in your mind a sermon message? Or is it fleshly if a believer decides to do some historical research for his Bible study class, maybe on the origins of the Bible? Or should he wait for the Holy Spirit to teach him that? Would I be in the flesh for reading and learning about the truths of the Hebrew and Greek languages and the grammar associated with those languages so that I can apply them to a Bible study? Or do I wait for the Holy Spirit to teach me that stuff too? I know I'm being facetious, but why do we even bother teaching young children Bible stories if it's only the Spirit that can move people. Now, I ask these questions to expose the silliness of how some of the church think these days. In this podcast, I want to debunk the idiotic idea that everything a believer does has to be Spirit-led. Sometimes God expects His people to do stuff just because it already says to do stuff in the Scriptures. Brethren, we already have the command to go out into the world and share the gospel of Christ. And that command is for all God's children, and not just some traveling evangelist. Again, I'm going to share an entire podcast on evangelism in the future. And yes, we do also have the command to go out and make disciples. However, any church leader with more spiritual discernment than a first grader knows that those are two different ministries. Christians who are faithful evangelists do not always get the opportunity to disciple every single person that we share the gospel with. Go in the book of Acts and read how many people the Apostle Paul did not disciple while he was on his evangelism tours. We cannot make or force every believer we witness to to be a disciple. 
Many times we don't have the chance. I have witnessed to thousands of people in my life that I only met briefly in the scriptures that would be called planting a seed. Brethren, you need to stop being so emotional in your thinking. Do you honestly think that if a person becomes a brand new child of God, that the good Lord is going to let this brand new child of his wander around aimlessly until a pastor T can come around and disciple him? Come on, man. Put your spiritual thinking cap back on. Do you honestly believe that it would be better for a person not to hear the gospel if you cannot disciple them? Are there actually believers out there in the church who are that spiritually blind? Now, I'm about to give you a story here about Frank Jenner. I want you to pay attention, but before I go there, a little side note. I personally believe that it is usually those believers who never or very seldom share their faith or who used to share their faith but now have stopped who have an issue with those believers who consistently share their faith. So sit back and relax. I'm about to share an amazing story about a faithful Christian man named Frank Jenner. Now, there's hundreds and thousands of stories and books out there written about people the Lord used in amazing ways and reach, to reach the lost and share the gospel and convert lives. And I'm going to use the Frank Jenner story because Frank Jenner spent 40 years simply handing out Bible tracts. And Frank never saw one single soul ever come back to him and say, Hey, Frank, thanks for the Bible track you gave me five years, 10 years, 20 years ago. Frank Jenner was faithful for 40 years without ever seeing one soul converted. I'm going to share Frank's backstory with you a little bit here. Before Frank got saved, he was a miserable drunk and a lousy gambler. He was also a big-time military deserter. He initially was in the Royal Navy, but he deserted when the British ship was docked in New York. So then he joined the U.S. Navy, but then he deserted the U.S. Navy, and he fled to Australia, where he joined the Merchant Navy, only to somehow get his way out of that. Here's a little side note, too. Frank had contracted some kind of a um, disease when he was a young child. And because of that, he had a sleeping sickness. And he also, as he got older, Parkinson's disease uh, started to mess up his body. Frank became a believer in the 40s. He had met some street preachers in Sydney, Australia, who led him to the Lord. And as a result of getting saved, Frank was so thankful for Christ dying for him that he promised the Lord he would try to share with 10 people every day. I also want you to listen and hear that out of the thousands of souls that Frank Jenner led to the Lord, he never discipled one single person. The Holy Spirit took care of that discipling part. I also want you to know that in the following story, I did not include the names or experiences of the hundreds of other Christians who had come to know Christ because of the faithfulness of Frank Jenner, who initially totally rejected, many to the point of being furiously angry, about the message that Frank had shared with them. Many of the believers I did not mention, they took those tracks that they got and tore them up or crumpled them up, only to later be convicted about them and either tape them back together or, or uncrumple them and read them and got them thinking about eternal stuff. Okay, so that's the end of my backstory. The story kind of revolves around the experiences of a, a London pastor. So he's sharing this story from his perspective and the things that he's seen as he went through his different ministries and through his different kind of missionary trips he took. So this life story of the faithful street preacher Frank Jenner started a number of years ago in a Baptist church in Crystal Palace in South London, England. The Sunday morning service was closing and a man stood up at the back and raised his hand and said, excuse me, pastor, can I share a show testimony? The pastor looked at his watch and said, you have three minutes. Now I'm going to interject here. This is sad testimony for this godly pastor. Anyways, this young man proceeded with the story. 
He had just moved into the area. I used to live in Sydney, Australia a few years back. I was visiting some relatives and I was walking down George Street. You know where George Street is in Sydney. It's a business area out by the Rock Colonial area. A little white-haired man stepped out from a shop doorway and he put a pamphlet on my head and said, Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die today, are you going to heaven? I was astounded by these words. No one had ever asked me that. I'm going to interject. Isn't that sad? No one had inter... Anyway, the young man went on to say, I thanked him courteously and all the way home to London, this thought puzzled me. I never thought about where I was going to go when I died. So I called a friend. I thank God he was a Christian when I got back to London, and he led me to Christ. So now this London pastor thinks, well, hey, Baptists love these kind of testimonies. Everybody applauded, and they welcome into the fellowship. He didn't really think anything about it. But that same pastor flew to Adelaide, Australia the next week, and 10 days later, in the middle of a three-day series in a missionary church in Adelaide, a young woman came up for some counseling. The pastor wanted to establish where she stood with Christ, so he asked her her testimony. The woman said, I used to live in Sydney, Australia, and just a couple of months ago, I was visiting some friends in Sydney doing some last-minute shopping down on George Street. A strange little white-haired man stepped out of a shop doorway and offered me a pamphlet. He said, excuse me, madam, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? I was disturbed by those words. So when I got back to Adelaide, Australia, I knew this Baptist church nearby, so I went over and talked to the pastor, and he led me to Christ. So this woman was saying, basically because of this white-haired man on, down on George Street, I'm a Christian. The London pastor was now kind of puzzled. Twice in two weeks, he heard the same testimony. That pastor then flew to preach in Mount Pleasant Church in Perth, Australia. When his teaching series was over, the senior elder of that church took him out for a meal, and the pastor asked the elder how he got saved. The church elder said, I grew up in this church from the age of 15 in Perth. I never made a commitment to Christ, just hopped on the church bandwagon like everyone else. Because of my business ability, I grew up to a place of influence, and I was on a business trip to Sydney about three years ago when an obnoxious, spiteful little man stepped out of a shop doorway, offered me a tract, and he costed me with the question, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? I tried to tell him I was a Baptist elder. He wouldn't listen to me. I was seething with anger all the way home from Sydney to Perth. Now I interject. Remember this the next time someone rejects your attempt at sharing the gospel with them. They don't all receive it very nicely the first time. Anyways, back to the story. The church elder goes on. I told my pastor in Perth my upsetting story about this pesty little white-haired guy in Sydney, thinking that my pastor would sympathize with me, but he did not. My pastor told me he had been disturbed for years that I was just playing church, and he knew that I did not have a relationship with the Lord, and he was right. My pastor led me to Christ just three years ago. Well, the London preacher flew back home to London, and he was soon speaking at a Keswick convention in the Lake District, and the pastor mentioned the testimonies of the people who had been saved or got the Bible tracts by the white-haired man in Sydney. At the close of this teaching series, four elderly pastors came up to this London pastor and explained that they, too, had been saved, between 25 and 30 years earlier, to the same little man on George Street who offered him a pamphlet and asked him the same question about where they were going to go when he died. The following week, this London pastor flew to a similar convention in the Caribbean for missionaries. At this convention, the pastor shared the testimonies he had been hearing recently about this faithful white-haired man in Sydney. And at the close of his teaching, three missionaries came forward 
and said that they had also been saved between 15 and 25 years earlier by the same little man's testimony as they were asked about where they were going to go when he died when they were on the streets of Sydney. Next, a London pastor stopped in Atlanta, Georgia, to speak at a naval chaplain convention. Here for three days, he spoke to over 1,000 naval chaplains. Afterwards, the chaplain general took him out for a meal, and the London pastor asked the chaplain how he became a Christian. The Navy chaplain general went on to say that his conversion was miraculous. He said, I was stationed on a naval battleship, and I lived a reprobate life. We were doing some exercises in the South Pacific, and we docked at Sydney Harbor for replenishments. We hit King's Cross on George Street with a vengeance. I got blind drunk, got on the wrong bus, and got off on George Street. And as I got off the bus, I thought I saw a ghost as this little white-haired man jumped out in front of me, pushed a Bible tract in my hand, and said, Sailor, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? The fear of God hit me immediately. I was shocked, sober. I ran back to the ship and sought out the chaplain. He led me to Christ. I immediately began to prepare myself for ministry work under this chaplain. I am now in charge of a thousand chaplains who are who are heaven bent on soul winning today. I'm going to interject here. Wow, what a disgustingly different time we live in now, isn't it? In today's military, chaplains are not even allowed to share the message of Christ, let alone teach people that Christ is the only way. So back to the story. Six months later, that London pastor flew to a conference for 5,000 missionaries from India in a, repart, in a remote part of Northeast India. And at the end, the head missionary took the London pastor to his humble little home for a simple dinner. The London pastor asked this man, as a Hindu, how did you come to know Christ? The Indian missionary said, I grew up in a very privileged position. I worked for the Indian diplomatic mission. I traveled the world. One period of diplomatic service took me to Sydney. I was doing some last-minute shopping. My arms were laden with toys and clothes for my children. I was walking down George Street when a courteous, white-haired little man stepped out in front of me and offered me a Bible tract and said, Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? I thanked him very much, but this disturbed me. I got back to my hometown in India and sought out my Hindu priest. He could not help me. But he advised me to satisfy my curiosity and he said they should go and take a walk. At the end of the road, there's some Christian missionaries that live in a little simple house down there. That was good advice because that day the missionary led me to Christ. I quit Hinduism that very day and immediately began to prepare for ministry. I left a diplomatic service and here I am today, by God's grace, in charge of hundreds of missionaries throughout India, who together we have led over 100,000 people to Christ. Eight months later, that London pastor was back preaching in Sydney. He asked a local Baptist minister if he knew of this elderly white-haired man who handed out tracts on George Street. The minister said, oh yeah, everybody knows him. His name is Frank Jenner, although I do not think he's doing it anymore because he's kind of frail and elderly. Two nights later, the two went together to meet Frank in his little apartment. They knocked on the door and this tiny little frail old man greeted them. Frank sat them down and made them some tea. He was so frail, he was, his hands were shaking so much that he was spilling the tea in his saucers. The London preacher began to tell Frank all those accounts he had been hearing in just the previous three years. This little old man sat down with tears running down his cheeks. Frank told the two pastors his testimony about living a reprobate life and how he had come to know the Lord through some other street preachers and how, in fact, one of the guys that helped lead him to the Lord was the guy that he used to just give really a hard time to. 
But he said, once I became a believer, I was so grateful for what God for me did for me that I promised the Lord that I would try to at least witness to 10 people a day. And I asked God to give me the strength to do that. Now, some days I was ill. I couldn't get out every day. But I made up from those days with the days that I missed by getting out and reaching more people on different days. I've been doing this for 40 years. In my retirement years, the best place was on George Street, where I saw hundreds and hundreds of people every day. I got a lot of rejections, but a lot of people curiously and courteously took the tracks. Now, I'm going to interject here. Just imagine a poor soul who stepped into eternal hell only to find out that they rejected the Bible tract that Frank tried to offer them. Even these lost souls will be thanking Frank Jenner for at least making an effort to try to reach them. Sadly, I believe there's going to be a lot of lost souls in hell who are going to be shocked to find out that the neighbor or the fellow worker that they lived next to or worked with was a Christian, and they never, ever, not even one time, tried to share the message of Christ with them. Back to my story. Frank speaking, he says, In 40 years of doing this, I have never heard of one single person coming to Christ until today. And after so many years of being faithful and seeing no results, what a blessing it must have been to Frank's heart to hear that so many had received the message of Christ. Now again, Frank was just planting the seed. But brethren, there's no plant without a seed. Well, what an amazing testimony of a man who truly appreciated that Christ died to save him from hell. That should be the testimony of every child of God. Sadly, I believe that many in the church would have told Frank a long time ago to quit wasting your time, Frank. These naysayers would have said, Frank, can't you see the Lord is not in what you're doing? Frank, people need to be drawn to God if you're ever going to get them saved. Hey, Frank, what you are doing is obviously just not of the Lord. And Frank, go home, pray, and see if the Lord wants you to do something else. Now, I'm not saying that all believers need to sell all their stuff and go on a mission field. I am saying wherever we are at, every child of God who truly appreciated what Christ did for them should want to constantly and continually share the love story of Christ with those all around them. Frank Jenner was most definitely a faithful man. Imagine showing your gratitude and love for Christ by being a faithful witness for 40 years and to continue to do that for 40 years without ever hearing one result. It's been estimated by those who know him or did know him that that little faithful, white-haired Christian man personally witnessed to at least 150,000 people in his lifetime. And his faithful witness multiplied into hundreds of thousands more. I know that what God was showing that pastor from London was just the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg of all the things that the Lord had accomplished through faithful Frank. And only the Lord knows how many more had come to Christ because of Frank's faithfulness. And we're out there in the world in churches, on a mission field, doing the Lord's work. Now listen, this all happened because one faithful man handed out one Bible tract to one person at a time over a 40-year period. Frank Jenner never had any discipleship classes. And praise God that Frank Jenner did not have the ridiculously selfish attitude which says, I am not going to witness to people unless I can disciple them. Mr. Frank Jenner died two weeks later. When the word got out that Frank Jenner had died, it was found out that there were hundreds of pastors and missionaries out there in the world who had become believers because of Frank's faithfulness in sharing a Bible tract with a lost soul. Can you imagine the reward and honor Frank received when he went home to heaven? Now, Frank's face never appeared in any popular Christian magazines. There were never any write-ups about this 
faithful little man in any magazines. Frank never filled stadiums with hundreds and hundreds of lost souls listening to him preach. Frank's ministry was to try to reach one soul at a time. And thank God that Frank did not allow his feelings to dictate his faithfulness to God's command to go out into the world and share the gospel. You see, if Frank had decided to go with his feelings and had said to himself, no one seems to be listening to me. Lord, I think I'm going to give this up because this just isn't nothing happening here. Thousands upon thousands of people might never have heard the message of the saving gospel of Christ. Frank could have wimped out and said, Lord, I'm just not seeing all these people like Billy Graham is. Sadly, way too many people in the church today base the work of the Lord on results, i.e. the numbers of people supposedly converted instead of on faith. And these feely Christians, they just won't accept something as of the Lord unless they see a bunch of people getting saved. It always amazes me, too, when you uh, when you decide just to go out on your own and do a little evangelism, it's of the flesh. But, but then when some of these sign churches pre-plan a year ahead of time a trip to Haiti or a trip to Puerto Rico because it's of the Lord, it's amazing. Um, no kidding, it's of the Lord. Every time we go out, it's of the Lord. The ones that run on their emotions believe that unless they see people get converted, the Lord has no hand in the ministry. Good thing Frank Jenner didn't feel that way. My Christian friend is a decision based entirely on a person's feelings and not on faith. Good thing our Savior did not make decisions based on his feelings. Good thing that Christ did not bail out of his ministry when his followers deserted him. Good thing that Christ did not let his feelings override his mission when he was being beaten for simply choosing to be faithful to his Father. And good thing that Christ did not let his feelings get in the way of completing his goal of dying for mankind's sins as he was being mocked and ridiculed by hanging on those spikes. Brethren, we do not always get to see the fruit of the work we do for the Lord. God does not call us to only be faithful if we see results. Christ never told his followers to go out only if you see results. Please listen to me carefully. Going out and sharing our faith should not be based on the outcome we see. And sadly, a lot of believers do not share their faith because they are afraid, they are ashamed of what lost people might think about them. Going out and sharing the message of Christ is an act of obedience. No one, except a little group of Baptist people in Sydney, Australia, even knew about this guy named Frank Jenner. But I tell you that his name was famous in heaven. Heaven knew Mr. Frank Jenner long before he died, and they waited in anticipation for him to come home, where he was welcomed into the loving arms of his Savior. And he was welcomed by all those people who had died in the faith because of Frank's faithfulness to share the loving message of Christ when nobody seemed like they were interested. God bless Brother Bob. You can reach me at brobob4him at gmail.com. Brobob4him at gmail.com.